Well, it's another beautiful week on planet Earth. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Waffle Free Storytelling. It's Tina Constant here and the jibber jabber's always at the end. So we're jumping right into this week's story, which is called Once Upon a Time Gods. Now, <laughs> this story started with good intentions. The trouble is, there's a fine line between good intentions and a mistake. Now, mistakes are all well and good because everyone makes them. But when they're made by a god, well, that's when things get messy. Now, I know what you're thinking. Gods don't make mistakes. But you'd be wrong. They do. And when they do, the effects are felt for all time. So let me tell you what happened a long time ago when the earth was still young and new gods seemed to be joining the table every day. The god in charge at that time gave almost all of his focus to making sure that everyone had enough to eat and drink. His theory was that happy gods made happy worlds, and he was yet to be proven wrong. The universe was a light and a joyous place. It was a free and growing canvas, Planets were sprouting up here, there, and everywhere. Stars formed vast bridges between these giant celestial creations, and creatures of every shape and size were being formed out of clay and breath and the very essence of infinity itself. And so entire universes grew and bloomed into what could only be called pure brilliance. The absolute jewel in the crown of all of this creation was a small blue, green and gold planet with its very own moon. Oh my goodness, the gods marveled at this. What shall we do with it? They said, what should we put on it? Then, <laughs> after perhaps having a little too much to drink, they all decided, let's make it ours. The mountaintop is all very well for work. But we need a good place to play. Now, remember the god in charge at the time was all about keeping everyone happy. So despite some misgivings that took root in his belly, he agreed. And the gods, with all of their pomp and ceremony, took residence on this beautiful planet. At first, they worked and played in equal measure. But there was so much beauty and delight that after a while there was far more play than work and as a result the growth and the development of all the other worlds began to dwindle and it eventually stalled. Now the god in charge did everything he could to get the rest of the gods to carry on with their good and very necessary work but they were too drunk and too happy and just having too much fun. <laughs> so frustrated and on the verge of giving up, the god in charge took himself to the underworld, where he was sure he would find a place to think. He also knew that he would find Hades there, and he was the only god who had completed what he had set out to complete, and was also not one for drunken lunacy, so would certainly be up for a good conversation. I don't know what to do, the god wailed, and Hades listened as the god produced a list of his frustrations. For a long time, Hades said nothing. Finally, he said, Shroud the world. Make it that the gods cannot see further than they can see. 
and the god in charge was confused. What possible impact could that have? All Hades did was smile and say, Try it, and let me know how you get on. And so the god in charge went back into the world, and he created a vast haze around the planet, a web of stars and clouds so thick and dense that not a single god could see through it. But it had no impact at all. In fact, as soon as the gods couldn't see the rest of the universe, they seemed to forget their purpose entirely. And their eating and their drinking and their carousing just got worse. The god in charge returned to Hades, whose next idea was to make the gods so tiny that this giant world loomed large around them. This didn't stop the drunken play. Then Hades and the god in charge made the earth shake and rumble for no reason at all. And still the gods lay on their backs and they thought nothing of it. Now, Hades didn't want to admit it, <laughs> but even he was running out of ideas. So he went into the darkest recesses of the underbelly of the world to think. And all that thinking gave him an idea. He called to the god in charge and he said this. I will give you one last solution to your problem, he said. But in return, I want the second half of all life. Well, the god in charge wasn't sure what Hades meant, but he didn't care. He just wanted the gods to get back to work. So without hesitating or thinking of the consequence or even knowing what the idea was, this very desperate god agreed. And with that, Hades reached his power over the world and he said, From this day on, no god, goddess or godling on this world will see into the heart and mind of another. Well, quite suddenly, the world went quiet. The laughing stopped, the carousing ceased, and the drinking dried up. The gods stopped their play and they looked around them and then at each other, where before they were bonded heart and soul, mind and vision. Now they could see nothing except the outside face of the others. Where before they knew the answer to a question even before it was asked, now they saw nothing but the unknown. Every god, goddess, and godling was isolated. In fear, they looked away from each other and retreated into themselves and then into the small caves of the mountainside. Desperate to understand what had gone wrong, they picked up rocks and stones and tried to work things out. They looked up to the stars, only to see dense mist and nothing more. Not knowing how and why, so much disappeared, but desperate to recapture what they had lost, they started to ask questions and to think and explore. The trouble is, they kept everything they learned to themselves. And who could blame them? They didn't know who or what they could trust. The result was so unexpected that the god in charge demanded that Hades turn back what he had done. But Hades leaned back on his chair by the fire and he refused. I have given you what you want, he said. See how they're all working so hard on their hands and knees in the dust. 
the god in charge left Hades and he went back into the world. He did everything he could to give these once powerful and mighty and inspired gods back even the smallest part of what they once had. And for a while it seemed to work. Each tiny insight spurred these once upon a time gods to greater study and greater discovery. For a moment it seemed that they might reclaim their insight and their wisdom. But that's when disaster struck. As soon as the gods got too close to the truth of who and what they were, Hades stepped out of the shadow and reminded the god in charge of their deal. I will take the second half of all life now. And to the great anguish of the god in charge, Hades took the lives of the oldest and the wisest of the gods, just as they were on the cusp of finding out the meaning of life itself. The sudden and unexpected demise of the older gods left the young ones with such fear and terror in their hearts that they shrank back even further into themselves, disappearing into caves and forests to hide from Hades. The world was never in a more pitiful state. With a breaking heart, the god in charge recognized the mistake he had made. He couldn't deny the role he played in the total destruction of these once mighty beings. And so he took himself back to the mountaintop, where it all started, hoping to find his own answer. As you can imagine, where before the mountaintop was full of laughter and ideas and brilliance and joy, now there was only silence. The only other being on the mountaintop was the cook, a large and smiling, round-bellied, big-hearted woman. She saw how worried and unhappy the god in charge was, so she prepared him a splendid dish. She took it to him and told him to eat. He was so exhausted and so preoccupied that he ate without thinking. But in three bites, his heart and mind caught up with his senses and he felt a new thing. He felt warmth, a new calm, a different kind of completeness and connection. The cook smiled and listened to the god in charge. The talking soon turned to laughter and joy, and soon it lit the fires and warmed the great halls. On the third day, the god in charge turned to the cook. This mountain is empty, as you can see. And the cook agreed. There is no one here to cook for. And the cook agreed. These once upon a time gods, they need more than I can give them, said the god in charge. And to that, the cook agreed. So she packed her pots and her pans and her ladles in her bags, and she walked down the mountain and into the world. And every time she met a small, frightened, lonely and isolated god, she lit a fire and prepared a meal. It was so rich and so complete that the god couldn't help but shout out for anyone who could hear, Come and try this delicious dish! And so the table grew bigger and the talk grew warmer. And with food distracting these once upon a time gods from their fears, their conversations turned to life and the universe and everything. 
the cook travelled the whole world, lighting fires and cooking and feeding these hungry gods. They came out of the caves, and they gathered again around tables in all shapes and sizes. And when their bellies were full and warm, they talked and they laughed and they asked questions and they shared their ideas. And even though they still couldn't see what was in each other's hearts and minds, in the light of those cooking fires, they learned to recognize hints of it in each other's faces. Well, Hades looked on in fury. He liked the silence. He liked the misery. From the shadows, he did all he could to stop the cook. He rotted fruit on the trees. He withered roots when winter came. But nothing worked. The cook kept lighting fires and gathering these once upon a time gods to her. At every gathering, conversations blossomed and bloomed and warmed hearts and souls and knowledge was shared. With dark anger in his heart, Hades stood at the shadows beyond the fires and he plucked souls the second they reached the end of the first half of their life. You can discover the answer to every question in the universe, he whispered from the dark. But when you enter my realm, you will do it alone, and you will do it blind. No one but the cook heard Hades, but all she did was smile and pass the bread around the table. And as these once-upon-a-time gods broke that bread, they shared a piece of themselves, leaving Hades less and less to hide away in the dark corners of the underworld. So, now you know who you come from. You know why food brings us together. You know why we break bread. And you know why it feels like sometimes people die just a little too soon and a little too early. Now you know our ancestors were once upon a time gods. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, that's another waffle. Free story on the origins of who knows what. <laughs> How's your week been? How's your day been? What beautiful things have you done and what people have you met and what conversations have you had? What knowledge have you shared? What, what wisdom have you dug up? What have you written and created? Who have you hugged? Lots of questions today. <laughs> okay, I am going to go and put the kettle on because, um, well, we've had heating problems in our little house, which, <laughs> which means we've had some cold days in this middle of winter. <laughs> uh, but we're getting there. All right, you beautiful human being. Uh, go and hug the people you love and uh, get in touch with someone you haven't spoken to for a while. And if you haven't uh, joined the Waffle Free Fireside, then go to tinaconstant.com. That is constant with a K. And it'd be good to see you there. Okay, I will see you next week for more weird and wild shenanigans from the Waffle Free universe. <laughs> okay, bye-bye now. <laughs>